Assemblies of God, UK. Apostle Professor Kojo Ninfo Opoku Onina, Reverend Dr. Lawrence Tete, Reverend Eastwood Anaba, Reverend Dr. Joyce Ayi, Reverend Eddie Annan, Assemblies of God UK, and other senior clergy. For more details, contact 020-854-3441 or 050-148-2580. It's the First Sky Group 21st Thanksgiving service. Don't miss it. It's six o'clock. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Newsnight. Tonight, President Akufado shoots down assertions of an impending politically motivated shake-up in the military hierarchy to mar election 2024. Details as he assures the December 7 polls will be free and fair, devoid of any violence. Also tonight, as SML welcomes President's directive for KPMG to audit its contract with the GRA, Minority on Parliament's Finance Committee serves notice it will expand its investigations to cover the firm's past works to establish propriety of their dealings. It is extremely important that you bear in mind that the growth of the nation depends, demands that we have a judiciary that commands the respect of the people by the quality of its delivery of justice, as well as by the comportment of its judges. Application of the laws of the land must occur in the... So I believe that our work will be more intensive and more extensive and it will, it will help bring out all the issues better than the terms of reference that the president has given to KPN. We have fresh details as ASAP and Imani states claims by GRA on SML's intervention regarding 100 million liters increment in fuel consumption cannot be supported by their own data. And it's day two of vetting of parliamentary aspirants in constituencies with sitting MPs. We'll get to hear from some sitting MPs who remain unfazed by attempts to unseat them by their contenders. We are winning hands down. You are winning hands down. We are winning hands down. But your opponents are also optimistic. They need to learn. They need to learn. Yes, they are in school. They are in school. I'll take you to part of the country where the fate of the sole con- candidate contesting the defense minister, Dominic Netewal, is yet to be known following the vetting committee's inability to reach a decision. To admit a mistake and apologize to the committee, we accepted his apology. Whether he's most sincere in the apology or not, but he apologized to the committee. We have not disqualified him per se. We are waiting, barring one or two things, maybe we'll qualify him to answer. Plus two persons disqualified in the eastern region, that and more, on today's vetting. And in business, Ghana maintained its position with highest interest rates in Africa in 2023, despite a decline in treasury bill yields. And in sports, the 2023 African Cup of Nations prize money increased by 40%, with a winner set to go home with $7 million. All 
is set. The clock is ticking in just hours. It's the biggest party ever for the new year. It's the Joy FM 90s Jam throwback event in Ghana's kickoff. It will be at the Galeria City. Nevia Cromo is happening tomorrow. Are you ready for the thrill? That's it more in tonight's edition of News. Now, you want to join us with your thoughts and comments is via WhatsApp 055 We are live on X Spaces. We're on Facebook. You can hit us with the hashtag News Night. I am MFA Apau. Details shortly. Many thanks for staying with us. And tonight, President Akufado has shot down a session to run impending politically motivated shakeup in the military hierarchy. In a statement released this afternoon, the presidency says the accessions making rounds on social media, suggesting that a meeting between the president and security chiefs on Tuesday was geared towards changes in the military leadership to my election 2024 is untrue. My colleague Carlos Caloni joins me in studio with details of the statement that was issued by the presidency. Carlos, what more? What does the statement say? All right, MFR. So the statement first acknowledged the fact, yes, there was indeed a meeting between President Akufuado and some security chiefs on Tuesday. But that was just a formality as every new year, the security chiefs actually meet with him uh, to offer their best wishes. And the president, in return, thanked them for their continued commitment to safeguarding the nation and that no such discussions about a political shakeup took place. And then the statement continued by addressing that it is important to note that changes made to leadership of the armed forces are in accordance with the constitution and well-established conventions and not political. So any future change made will not be a new phenomenon. And then the statement concluded by assuring that the president is at all times committed to upholding the reputation of the armed forces and that the December 7th poll will be free, fair and transparent, devoid of any electoral violence. Thank you very much. That's uh, Carlos Caloni uh, with details of that statement issued by the presidency, signed by the Director of Communications at the presidency, Eugene Ahin, a while ago. Let's analyze this uh, a bit further. Let's bring in a man who is also, he was also a security uh, chief himself, at least in the military, Kenor Retired, Festus Abwaji, security analyst as well. We are grateful for your time here on Newsnight. I'd want to focus on um, the second part of this particular statement, where he, the, the, the presidency mentions that uh, if there should be any change in the military um, hierarchy, it will be in accordance with the constitution. Is it the norm or you find it unusual for the presidency to preempt reactions to a decision it's about to take in the military? Well, first of all, thanks for, for having me. I find it a bit unusual for a government of the country to react to things that are circulating on social media. What I'm aware of, and I think you can speak to that better, is that 
if there are social media conversations, the government of the day can use its commentators to use the same platform or to now come to mainstream media to respond to those social media conspiracy theories. Now, to the extent that the government has, you know, to react officially to something that has been circulating on social media, not yesterday, when this um, letter dated second came out, but for some time late last year, you know, the rumor mills were running very wild that the changes are going to take place. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to the caveat that the statement used that if. Now, I think it's not a question of if. Now, anyone who knows how the system works knows that one of these days there will be a change in the office of the CBS. One, because the CBS has done the proverbial three years Mm -hmm. and maybe age-wise is even more than the 63 years or so. And those who are closer to him or closer to Bermakam know that he has made certain statements, you know, at certain places suggesting that, you know, his time may be up. So it's not a question of if. It is just that one of these days, and we can't be sure whether it's this January, first week, second week, third week, there will be a change. Which then brings into the debate, if the incumbent CBS leaves, who takes his place? And there will be a handful of officers who may be on the short list. The social media publication made an allegation that if the CBS leaves or when the CBS leaves, the chief of the army staff, because he's closer to the vice president, you know, in all likelihood to become the new CBS. And then inferred also that the purpose or the objective will be because of the 2024 election. Mm-hmm. But the the chief of army staff belongs to the intake that we call intake 26, intake number 26. By coincidence, I was a course commander of intake 26 in 1986 at the Ghana Military Academy. Now, there are a few of his colleagues who are all major generals, or let's say almost all major generals, and I think one or two brigadier generals. Now, any one of them, plus or minus, all things being equal, could become a CBS, the chief of staff of general headquarters, the commandant of the defense college, for instance, the commandant of the military academy, without mentioning the names, you know, the commissioner, boundary commission, they are all intake mates. Mm-hmm. Any one of them, all things being equal, can become a CBS. But apart from that, there are three other intakes who have remnants of their officers in the system. 
Intake 23. That's three intakes ahead of 26. Have two officers. And I don't think I should mention their names. Now, Intake 24 has one officer. And Intake 25 has one officer. Looking at where these officers are being, it's not likely that any one of them could become a CDS. But it's possible that one of them could also become a CDS. Mm. So the idea that when the chief of army staff, uh, the social media conspiracy theory becomes a CDS, the mix of Admiral Seth Amuama, who is a CDS in Take 23, I think, there are only two of them. And I think they are all, they've all passed the age as Brigadier General's equivalent, where, you know, um, they may not be able to be in the system. So these are some of the background considerations. To that, but, really, but I come back mm-hmm. to where I started. I don't think, you know, the government should have reacted as it has done. But I'm guessing that this statement in particular is to allay the secret fears about politically motivated movements that's about to happen. You think that it does not achieve the purpose for which reason they, they issue that statement? Does it not allay fears at all? You see, it's the reciprocity versus the equivalence of, of the two communications. A social media communication cannot be elevated to the level of a presidential statement. But to the extent that it affects the sensitive institutions such as the no. Ghana Armed Forces, so in should they not allay those fears? These rumors are not new. Mm. They've been in circulation for some time last year. But you don't allow it to fester because of the sensitivity of so it, should you? deploy your communicators, as we all know happens all the time. Excuse my language. Uh, Richard in Hagba comes to Metro, uh, whatever, and then he debunks the conspiracy. You deploy them on the radio channels and so on to respond. Because the channel that was used was not an official channel. Mm. It could be fake news. You see, then does the government have to, you know, react to fake news the way... But um, for the presidency to react to it, it tells you it's not fake news, is it? Well, you can't say that. In fact, you could even say that it's part of the conspiracy. Mm. That the government itself could be behind that fake news, that letter in circulation. The government could be behind it and then turn around to debunk the content of the fake news. So in that sphere, anything can happen. Mm. Granted that the government has reacted. I have tried to explain some of the elements that were put in the social media communication to explain that even if the mate of Admiral Amuama will have to go home when the chief of staff, chief of army staff becomes the new CDS, there are only two of them. And per the regulation that the presidential statement has referred to, the procedures and the conventions and the constitution, these two officers, plus the one in intake 24 and plus the two in intake 25, may all have reached what we call their ceiling. 
Then you come to the mates of the chief of army staff. And I've mentioned some of the appointments that these mates are holding. Mm-hmm. When it becomes CBS, if those officers are in appointments which allows them in the ranks of major generals to continue serving, that is fine. It's not that when he becomes chief of staff, then all him. his mates, so when he becomes CBS, all his, his mates will have to go home. Some mm. may go home, but some may also be retained. Okay. Because when you clear the debt, you know, too extensively, you end up with an upswell, which could also not be good for institutional uh, stability. It's always difficult to end conversations like this, but we are grateful for your time. Kenor retired Festus Abwaje there, um, reacting to that statement from the presidency, allaying fears about um, politically motivated shakeup, eminent one that could happen in the Ghana Armed Forces. But also, the president Kufado has called on the newly appointed Supreme Court judges to act in accordance with the statutes of the Supreme Court. And um, this, he believes, is key as the development of the nation hinges on the bias-free justice delivery system. His comments come at the back of the swearing-in of three Supreme Court justices, Justice Henry Anthony Kofi Yao Da Kwasari and Richard Ajay Frimpong. important that you bear in mind that the growth of the nation depends, demands, that we have a judiciary that commands the respect of the people by the quality of its delivery of justice, as well as by the comportment of its judges. Application of the laws of the land must occur in the words of the judicial oath which you have just taken, without fear or favor, affection or ill will, and therefore without recourse to the political, religious, or ethnic affiliation of any citizen of the land or of any person before you. When a person falls foul of the law, society expects that the person will be dealt with accordingly, and law enforcement agencies, including the Supreme Court, must ensure that this is done. That is the true meaning of the concept of equality before the law. He also taxed the judges to continue to have a sound knowledge of the law. With all other courts bound to follow the decisions of the Supreme Court on questions of law, it is obviously essential justices of the court possess a sound knowledge of the law and of precedent, the doctrine of stare decisis, which has been the bedrock for the centuries-old evolution of the common law. Article 129 positions the Supreme Court as the policy court where far-reaching decisions on the legal ramifications of our socio-economic development are fashioned in response to the existences of the times. The perspectives of its judges are thus critical for our national development, especially in these challenging times. The situation where judges prefer judgments on the basis of decisions from lower courts and cite them as law is not acceptable. And even less so when judges cite no authority at all for their rulings and give orders without reasons. Judges, more so justices of the Supreme Court, must be learned, know their case law, and ensure their decisions and judgments are properly motivated. 
President Akufado there. Now, the minority on Parliament's Finance Committee has served notice. It will expand the scope of its investigations into the operations of Strategic Mobilization Ghana Limited, SML, to establish propriety of their dealings in the past. President Akufado this week directed the suspension of the contract between GRE and SML to allow private audit, tax and advisory services firm KPMG to conduct a full-scale audit into the deal. Even before the audit commences, SML has issued a statement I'm saying the audit will vindicate the integrity of the contract. We'll bring you details of that shortly. But first, let's hear uh, from a member of the Finance Committee, Thomas Ampim Dako, saying that the terms of reference of KPMG is expected um, to work. It's inadequate and would not provide a full picture of monies paid to SML for its past works. We believe that the president is late in coming and that the president should have taken that initiative long before. We don't trust the intentions of the president. We don't believe that even if a report is submitted to the president, he will act on it. Uh, Looking at what he has done in previous instances, we don't think that the president means well in uh, protecting the public fair. I believe that he's looking for another avenue to clear his appointees of any wrongdoing. So I believe that Parliament must proceed. It has already been referred to the Finance Committee to do the work. We believe that but for the primary that the chairman and other members of the majority side on the committee, work would have already uh, begun on this. So we are fully committed to go through this. Also because we advise GRA not to go this route. They defiled that, and so it is important that we go through it extensively. If you listen to, if, if you read what the president uh, wrote, you clearly see that the president is not even interested in what has happened in the past. He's looking at the current contract and all that. We, our committee, will delve into what monies have already been paid to, to the company and all that. And so I believe that our work will be more intensive and more extensive, and it will, it will help bring out all the issues better than the terms of reference that the president has given to APN. Now let's dig into the statement issued by SML a while ago. My colleague James Aveji joins me in studio. James, let's talk about what's contained in that statement. Yes, so SML essentially is indicating that they welcome the directive and the decision to appoint KPMG to uh, conduct and, uh, that audit into their contract. They say while they are wait for the results, uh, they believe that it will help establish a clear and accurate picture of their operations. They remain resolute in upholding the highest business standard and welcome the scrutiny uh, that this audit will bring and uh, concludes by saying that they are confident that the findings will confirm the integrity of their co- uh, collaboration with the GRA and the Ministry of Finance and provide ample evidence of the value of service they provide to the citizens. Well, after the presidency issued that statement for the suspension of the contract, we've been seeing social media reactions by ASAP and Imani. Exactly. Now we have a joint statement from both ASAP and Imani on this particular deal um, going forward. Let's talk about it. What exactly are they hoping um, will be done? So what ASAP and Imani essentially set out to do is to test some claims put in the GRE statement. Remember, the GRE issued a statement after the whole expose came out. And uh, in that statement, they claim that um, uh, figures from the downstream petroleum sector have shown a 33% improvement over the two-year period of 2020. 
2019, 2019, 2019, and 2020, 2021 uh, period, resulting in an assumed volume differential of about 100 mi- uh, million liters per month. Uh, in that statement, what it means is that uh, this increase contributed to some uh, uh, revenue generation being shot up in uh, their collection. So, what the uh, two bodies set out to do is to test this and they fetch data from both the GRA and the NPA to test the claim they have made in that statement. And they uh, arrive at the following conclusions that the claim by GRA and SML intervention yielded about 100 million liters monthly consumption increase cannot be supported by their own data. And the actual growth between uh, 2018, 2019, and then 2020, 2021 was about 65.95 million cities from the NPA data. And then the GRA data reported a 60.15 million uh, uh, liters, contrary to the 100 million uh, liters the GRA reported in that uh, statement. And that... Mm. They also found out that the total consumption in 2021-2022 of refined product in the country actually declined by some 5 and 7% according to the NPA and GRA data. And so in the statement issued by GRA, the authority uh, surprisingly did not give any hint or evidence of that uh, decline in 2022. And they said they find this disingenuous and deliberate to sustain the claims that SML's intervention has yielded significant results. And so uh, those are the tests they did and found out that the issue put up or the uh, claim put up by the GR in that statement cannot be supported. And so uh, they, uh, in fact, concluded by giving some hint to the president. They also find the fact that the finance minister up to now have not commented on the issue is evident that uh, he the contract he has given to them uh, is actually faulty. They give some hint to the president as their concluding remarks that, look, if you really want to look into this issue, both GRE, NPA, and the Ministry of Finance knows where the country lose revenue in terms of petroleum uh, consumption. And so asking uh, the president to plug those holes in order to increase revenue generation rather okay. than this particular contract. Thank you very much. That's James Saveji bringing us that joint statement by ASIP and Imani, hoping to set the record straight. We've also been hearing from SML as they welcome uh, this particular audit uh, that the president has directed KPMG to conduct. We're also here to hear from KPMG on this. Uh, in spite of concerns raised by some civil society organizations for KPMG to turn that down. Let's get into the election headquarters now. And it's day two of vetting of parliamentary aspirants and constituencies with sitting MPs. And tonight, the fate of the sole candidate contesting the defence minister, Dominic Nitiwal, is yet to be known, following the vetting committee's inability to reach a decision at his vetting in Tamale. So I'll start off with Martina Bugri monitoring that event for us. So what exactly was the reason giving Martina? Now, we were told after the vetting that um, he had lied to the committee on his documents. Um, according to the committee chair who spoke to the media after the vet, he said that he had the, he had uh, gone through the process but lied about some of the things he had written. He had admitted that he had not signed the 
the documents and that he had drafted it and didn't transfer it to the form itself. Several other reasons why they are unable to categorically state whether he has been disqualified or not. The candidate came before the committee. He admitted that he has not filled his form properly. We're, we're willing to give him the chance to fill the forms properly. But in, in the interim, we agreed that it was not maybe good in the, for the party to disqualify him. But his attitude and utterances after the vetting shows that he's not willing to be a good party person. So he's telling the media clearly. But before the committee, he admitted that it was a mistake. He also admitted that the the form that he was showing the media that he failed was not was a rough work he did, but he failed to transfer the rough work onto the main form. So I admitted a mistake and apologized to the committee. We accepted his apology. Whether he's most sincere in the apology or not, but he apologized to the committee and to the, from the constituency to the region. We have not disqualified him per se. We are waiting, barring one or two things, maybe we'll So that's uh, the committee chairman uh, for the Northern Region, uh, Kujo Afari, they're interacting with the media after the vetting today. Let me take you to the Ashanti region now. Nanabwache Dankwayadom is on standby for us. Nanabwache, uh, you've been interacting with some candidates and sitting MPs. Let's talk about what you experienced today. Well, MFA, the process, the vetting process in the Ashanti region comes to an end today. Uh, over 120 um, aspirants have been cleared um, to at the end of the vetting process here in the Ashanti region. Well, we interacted with some members of parliament who took their turn to pass through the vetting today. When we spoke to the member of parliament for the Bantima constituency, um, Francis Asensu Boati, where we know that the constituency is going to face a fierce contest. For him, um, it is a contest which is more of a like um, a, a Pragya and a VIP pass. And so he sees his opponent as no um, competition for him. And so for Bantima constituency, that is the response we had from Francis Asensu Boati. For Asante Atin North, are um, Asante Atima Gogo North, we spoke to the Honorable Andy Api Akubi, um, who is the incumbent member of parliament. He said that his opponents are just school children. And so come January 27th, he is retaining his seat. And so MFA, just as we reported yesterday, where we had over 60 incumbent members of parliament, um, over 60 aspirants, I must say, passed through the process. Today, we had um, about 80 aspirants also passed through the process. And so it has ended. And so we also did hear from Henry Nanabwate, who is the national organizer of the New Patriotic Party. He says that the process has ended smoothly. They cleared uh, Mr. Samir Benfo Dakwa, um, who earlier they received, after receiving a petition against him, they cleared him to contest the Adanse Asoka um, seat um, against KT Hammond. And so for the petition that was filed against Samir Benfo Dakwa, that has been cleared already. And so generally, the process since yesterday, have been smooth. That's my colleague, Nana Dankwa Yadom there. He's been interacting also with Andy Apiakubi. We're bringing that to you, also responding uh, to the comments made by the OSP. But let me take you to the eastern region, and two persons have been disqualified. My colleague, Maxwell Kudeko, has been monitoring the process for us. What's the reason for these disqualifications, Maxwell? Well, number five, this morning we were told by the original secretary, Mr. Tony Osei uh, Ejei, that uh, one aspirant from the New Javan South Constituency, uh, Madame Yan Sasafori, submitted an uncompleted forms. 
for that matter, that well, as far as in particular, uh, is unable to proceed uh, to the next stage. So she was disqualified in the morning. Earlier in the day, uh, one other candidate from the Ekriapen South Constituency, Mr. Frank Edu. Frank Edu is, uh, is the municipal chief executive for the Ekriapen South District Assembly. And per the election rules, he is not qualified as a sitting member or as a sitting executive, uh, chief executive officer of the district assembly to, to contest. So he was also disqualified on the basis that he is holding an office as a district chief executive and is also filing at the same point. The politics in the Kriapen South is a bit dicey. We are told that Mr. Franke do this so just so to um, show or prove a point to the sitting member of parliament. We are told that in, in the last election, uh, Mr. Ubiyama promised uh, the MC that he was not going to contest. So he should prepare himself for this uh, turn. And then the, right up to the beginning of the process up to now, he didn't make any intention as to not to contest against. He also did so to prove a point that he's capable of contesting him. So this afternoon, he was also disqualified on the basis that uh, he is holding an office, or he's holding office as a district executive, and for that matter, he cannot contest so far. And that's my colleague Maxwell Kudeko there reporting from the Eastern Region. Let me bring you to the Greater Accra Region. My colleague Kenneth Jesse has just returned from his rounds as well. Kenneth, let's start with what happened today in the Greater Accra Region. Well, first of all, the exercise has concluded here in the Greater Accra Region. There were no disqualifications today. And uh, as Louisu, the Minister for Communications, did make some startling statement. And she says she had wished that most of the departing MPs within the MPP will continue as their long-staying parliament makes parliament proceedings easier, adding that the new entrants who will be replacing them will struggle to adjust. I'm concerned that over the years, there has been a significant attrition of experienced people in parliament, which weakens parliamentary practice. But we need to work with the people's decisions. We can only appeal to them that the perennial bloodletting, where experienced MPs are replaced by backbenchers who don't know anything about parliamentary practice, who may be coming there with their own motives, may not always inure to the growth of our democracy. It affects the quality of the debate. It has an impact on the quality of decisions that we take in the House and even the the legislation that we craft in the House. Well, and there was Wei Jagbawi MP, Tina Menza. You interacted with her. Right. Uh, Tina Menza also did mention that she reported uh, her opponent to the uh, committee to disqualify him on the basis that he has not lived within that constituency for two years continuous. When you insist, it will be like you are scared of the, the vote. But I just want to prove a point to tell the people that we have a constitution which says we stipulate certain things. So that is why I appealed, I, I, I petitioned. But they beg that's where the party is. They don't want a situation that when they disqualify somebody, it will be some sort of acrimony. There will be a sort of a uh, uh, scared of a uh, 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 contest or something. 
Well, and there's an update on Ayawa's West Wagon. We've been reporting on that yesterday. Right. What do we know? Yes, we reported yesterday that uh, the gentleman in question, Samuel Amankwa, is accusing the party of trying to favour the incumbent MP, Lydia Seram Al-Hassan. And today he petitioned the party at its headquarters here in Accra. Uh, we're yet to find out what that mm. outcome will be. Thank you very much, Kenneth JC. And my colleague, Clinton Yeboah, gives us a wrap of what happened in Shiaiso. The former Nshayesu MP, Kennedy Kankam, is seeking to regain the seat from the incumbent, Stephen Amwa. Also eyeing the seat is George Odum. Kennedy's attempt was, however, tagged in controversy based on a directive from the NPP National Council, restricting certain government appointees, including MMDCs, from contesting the parliamentary primaries. Kennedy Kankam, currently the Municipal Chief Executive for Asukore Mampon, registered his reservation on the directive, insisting it was not applicable to him. Speaking to Joy News, Kennedy Kankam said he petitioned the party's hierarchy for rectification, but received no response. They are saying that they don't want MMDCs to contest at the constituencies that they are MMD, MMD, MMDCs. In my case, I am not the Kumasi Metropolitan Chief Executive. I'm a Chief Executive of Asakoriman Municipal Assembly. So I am like that. I'm not an un, 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 normal Chief Executive who is contesting the seat. I said there are a lot of ambiguities in the rules and regulations that they brought. So they should try as much as possible and, and make sure that they are I sent a petition to the general secretary, I sent a petition to the chairman of the council of elders. I told them that they should address this issue and they did not do it. But he was cleared by the Vertan Committee in the Ashanti region. Ashanti Regional Secretary of the New Patriotic Party, Kwame Adomapia, said, despite the clearance, the final decision rests with the National Appellate Committee of the party if they find further contrary grounds. We have um, uh, done the first stage. The next stage is for the National Appellate Committee. After, after the Appellate Committee has decided, then you will know that A, is qualified to be on the notice of pool. B, is not qualified to be on the notice of pool. That's it for the vetting of parliamentary aspirants with MPs in certain constituencies there. But we'll be moving now to the January 27, hoping uh, for the D-Day itself. And this is your election headquarters. Time for business with Emma Davis. Hello, Emma. Hi, MFA. And Business on News Night is brought to you by MTN Business, Kingdom Books and Stationery, Syntex Tanks, and Pepsodent Herbal and Chaco. Let's go straight for our stories. Ghana maintained its position with the highest interest rates in Africa in 2023, despite a decline in Treasury bill yields. According to fixed income updates by some investment firms, the rates of about 29.24 and 31.88% for the 91-day and 182-day Treasury bills respectively remain high. Here's a business desk report. The yields on the 91-day and 182-day bills fell by 6.12 and 4.10% respectively last year. However, the rates are still elevated, increasing the government's cost of borrowing on the domestic market. Despite the rates falling significantly in March last year due to the domestic deduction program, the fall in the yields was short-lived. Again, average lending rates hover around 32% ranking Ghana among the highest on the African continent. However, some analysts are hopeful Treasury yields will decline in 2024, potentially sharper along the year as investor sentiments improve. 
They have warned that election-related fiscal risks and its pass-through effects on inflation remain a risk to the outlook for the yields. Meanwhile, Egypt followed Ghana closely with the second-highest interest rate in Africa. Seychelles, however, has the lowest interest rates in Africa. That was a business desk report. Government has been urged to demonstrate political will by chasing informal sector workers to pay realistic taxes to the state. According to senior country partner of accounting firm PwC, Vish Ashabo, there is a real challenge in roping more Ghanaians onto the tax net, hence the difficulty in achieving the tax-to-gross domestic product target of about 17% in Africa. Speaking to Joy Business, Mr. Shebo believes governments must push more to overcome this challenge. The informal sector is hard to tax. Data is part of the issue, but also identification, access to people, and just the level of effort that is required. I think that's uh, part of the challenge. But honestly, you also heard one of our panelists talk about the will, or let's say the, I wouldn't say the lack of will, but the, the level of will. Uh, because if you have to go and chase the masses uh, to pay taxes in an election year for any government, that is uh, a delicate issue to, 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 to tackle. So there is some of that. There are real uh, difficulties, but also the will or the resolve could be more, uh, more intense than it currently is. Vish Ashagbo is the senior country partner of accounting and auditing firm PWC Ghana. Now to the agri sector, the General Agricultural Workers Union says farmers or rice farmers in the country have been neglected just like previous years, even though they had a bumper harvest in the season. Its General Secretary, Edward Carrera, revealed to Joy Business that rice farmers in the Fumbisi area in the Upper East region were not able to cut their produce to processing factories due to various challenges. Speaking to Joy Business, Mr. Carrera blamed the situation on government's in ability to implement phase two of the planting for food and jobs program because there's lack of quality intervention that's why we are experiencing glad as i'm speaking i'm at up there i've gone to the fumbisi areas gone all uh, around the rice is lining everywhere because there has not been any policy you know uh, arrangement mm. to to pick up this uh, produce so again you can see that uh, 2023 is just uh, it's, a, it's a year that will go down the drain that government in recent years have done nothing uh, to support agriculture. General Secretary of Gau, Edward Carrot, the ending business on Newsnight. Thank you very much, Emma Davis. Let's do sports now. Yeah, Emma, for what sports brought to you by Pepsi and Herbo and Chaco. Let's bring some updates from the uh, AFCON and the Confederation of African Football. They have announced a 40% increase in the prize money of the winner of the 2023 Total Energies African Cup of Nations to be held in Cote d'Ivoire from January 13 to February 11. The winner of the uh, tournament will receive $7 million as against $5 million given to previous winners in uh, previous winners that Senegal in 2021. Now, the runner-up will now get $4 million, while each of the two semi-finalists will receive $2.5 million, and each of the four quarter-finalists will get $1.3 million.
dollars. CAF made this announcement on their website earlier today. Meanwhile, the CAF president, Patrice Motsepe, has been speaking on this and he says he's confident that a portion of the prize money will contribute to developing football and also benefit all the football stakeholders as well as assist their member associations with their administration. So, MFR, Black Stars win it. They're going to go home with $7 million. We're bringing it all home. Yeah, I mean, we've got to bring mm-hmm. it all home. But let's stay on the AFCON because Manchester United, they are reportedly keen to keep Cameroon goalkeeper Andre Onana uh, after the, until after their game against Tottenham Hotspur on January 14. That's 24 hours before Cameroon starts their Africa Cup of Nations campaign against Guinea. Well, head coach Eric Ten Hag has been responding to these claims. So... Uh, we're talking with Cameroon Federation and it was an issue uh, during the talks with Andre when he came in here and it's constructive so yeah we will see so you don't know yet so I don't know yet but he will be there for the game against Wigan that's uh, Eric Ten Hag on that update on Andre Onana there was well, some update from the Black Stars camp and Inaka Williams and Mohamed Kuruza are expected to join the team today uh, to continue the Black Stars training. They held their third training session today at the Dr. Kwame Chase Sports Complex. So for Mohamed Kudis himself, he's been nominated uh, in the English Premier League Player of the Month for December for his sterling performance for West Ham in that month. That's it for sports. MFA. Thank you very much, Ms. Bell. Let's drive safe. Safe driving saves lives. Drive safe. And motorists and pedestrians who use the airport junction near the um, National Service Secretariat, that particular intercession there at Kuala in the National Capital Accra, appeal to the roads ministry and relevant institutions to immediately remove hedges and billboards lined up at the edges of the road, making it difficult for them to see oncoming vehicles, serving as a recipe for disaster. Hannah Odami visited the area after reports that one person lost his life yesterday. Vehicles moving from the Roman Ridge area are met at the junction of the National Secretariat with billboards, which makes it impossible for them to see incoming vehicles from the airport residential area. Vehicles moving from the airport residential area also towards the National Secretariat junction are met with hedges that makes it impossible for them to also see incoming vehicles from the Roman Ridge area. This often causes clashes, one of which our crew witnessed. Mr. H.A. Donato, who's been working near the National Service Secretariat since 2007, says almost every week he sees similar incidents, which mostly result in accidents and wants stakeholders to immediately address the situation. Well, every week there's accidents here. The signboards, they are closing also the view. So they have to remove some, the hedges there, cut it down. So as soon as they read this zone, they can look, see the road and know how to do. A frequent user of this road, Papa, is also asking for the billboards and hedges removed to ensure safety. You can't see anything, any car coming from that direction. So if you don't take time, you spoil your day. Very, very dangerous. See the hedges with the sandboards. Let's clear those things all. Road safety advocate, Obaya Kunedu though acknowledges the danger posed by the hedges and billboards, cautions motorists to be careful 
when approaching this particular junction. You know, you're supposed to stop at the junction, indicate and check your left and your right. But the hedges are blocking your view. So motorists are tempted to go into the middle of the road, which is not safe at all. And I would urge the authorities that they make sure that these hedges are what cut. Motorists, yes, we know the hedges are there. But let us be patient and be sure that we have seen the road clearly before we can go. From the airport residential area near the National Service Secretariat, I am Hannah Odami for joining us. And that's how you ought to drive safe. And we've been trying to reach the assembly on this and as and when we get a reaction from them as to when these billboards and hedges will be removed. We'll bring that to you. Now, death puts an end to all misery in the world. But in recent times, another basket of despair is leaving bereaved families more devastated than the loss. My colleague, Caleb Mensah, has been exploring the Ghanaian phenol industry players and why it is no longer affordable to bury the dead. Here's his report read to you. Death. It's inevitable and a leveler. To some, it signifies the end of all troubles on earth. But besides leaving families emotionally devastated, it also leaves many pockets empty. Ghanaian funerals can be a drain on the pairs. Becky Bosomchip buried her father two weeks ago. To finalize the burial and funeral, she came to this conclusion. It's now expensive to die. Because recently my father died, I think we buried him two weeks ago. And looking at the expenses we have made, it's, it's so much. But um, some of the um, um, mortuary fees, I think the government should do something about it. Aodome Cemetery is one of the cheapest cemeteries in Accra. Accra Metropolitan Assembly recently increased the burial fees from 600 to 1,000 cities. I don't think it is expensive because the thousand cities that you pay, it goes with the space, not just only the space that is taken. We don't just bury in the quite the earth grade ladder. You still need to put in some form of block work inside the grave before we bury. So all these things has a cost. Bernard Kwashi is a grave digger at the Cemetery. He has noticed that the current economic crunch has made it more difficult for families to organize funerals. This government spoiled a very hour because if God willing, nobody can nobody can help you or to support to do the burial for this government. We are we are in by this time there to bury. It's very hard. Indeed, the economic situation has made burial more expensive. But would you rather organize a modest funeral, or will you still insist? On an expensive befitting funeral for your loved one who may not even know how much you spent on them. Caleb Mensa's report for Joy News. Now, it may be expensive to die, but once you are alive, we ought to party. And it's happening tomorrow at the 90s Jam. And in just hours, Ghana's biggest jam will kick off at the City Galleria near the Accra Mall. And of course, we can't wait. Tickets running fast. 150 Ghana CDs, regular tickets available. And our baggy pants, our jeans, our Afro wigs. 
at Jelly Shoes already and said for the 90s jam tomorrow. By this time, we would have started. So get ready. But this is what to expect. Maxwell Agbagba gives us a sneak peek of what happened last year and what to expect this year. This was what it was like at the last 90s jam at the Silver Star Towers. Biggest New Year parties back, and you can expect some of these songs at the event on the 5th January. Ghana's best DJ, DJ Black, will be one of the people behind the tent table. He says the event is to help patrons relive the 90s. He has been providing details. So it's happening as a Kragalaria, which is behind or beside the Akramor. Things that will bring nostalgia to those who enjoyed the, the nightlife in Accra then. The Glens Nightclub, the Fox Trap, the, 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 the Matador era, and the DJ life where you also saw the press of a lot of DJ competitions, the likes of Azigiza, Kofi Dixon, Fifi Craft, you know. So it's going to be a night where people are really going to, you know, reminisce on good songs and how they uh, enjoy themselves uh, when they were young. So it's a night that I encourage everybody who enjoyed the 90s to come and enjoy it at Accra area on the 6th of January. Maxo Agbagba's report. What more are you waiting for? If you were like me and you stayed indoors the whole Christmas festivities, it's your turn now to get outside. We outside tomorrow is happening at the City Galleria. And my colleague Maxo Agbagba joins me on the line from City Galleria. It's all set, Maxwell. Yes, 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 Emma. It's all set um, here at City Galleria, um, specifically the rooftop of the City Galleria Mall. Uh, right behind the crowd wall. So we are not going to be jamming in the room, MFA. It's, it's a rooftop, very breezy, and when, you, when you're here, you have a better view of Accra's beautiful skyline. So yeah, 
you can capture your Instagram worthy photos whilst dancing to um, your favorite nineties song. You know, a lot of people are pumped up for um, the nineties um, MFR. Um, I'm hearing the VIP tickets are already sold out. Yes. Um, earlier today, when we got here to City Galleria, some of the patrons, you know. So our branded vehicle and they got closer. But, but you know a, a what people say. With, uh-huh. A gentleman I interacted with said, yes, he's aware the event is from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. But we are in a season of breaking records. So is it possible <laughs> for Joy FM to use this as an opportunity to break a record? So maybe <laughs> five is days it, Is it a jamathon? A jamathon or what? You know, you know. <laughs> That's what he was proposing. I thought it, it's, it's above my pay grade. <laughs> maybe you so can maybe. start it together with a banquetone. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what people have been saying? For some of us, um, we don't like uh-huh. VIP. Or we like the popular stand. That's where exactly. the party is. So we are exactly. buying the 150 tickets and exactly. getting ready for it. Exactly. That's where all the action is going to be. You know, because I've been to events where you buy VIP tickets. At the end of the day, you see your friend, regular said, no, no, Charlie, I want to have fun in the regular. And, and guess who just walked into the studio? Andy uh-huh. Dusty is in the oh studio, taking word. over shortly. And you know how it's going to be? <laughs> Maxo, I'll let you go. I have Andy Dusty. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Andy Dusty shows up at this time of the day means that all is set for tomorrow. Andy Dusty, what are we expecting tomorrow? Uh, The usual fireworks. (laughs) No gimmicks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ashanti see Agroni form. Agroni form. It's not by this time, not starting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so okay. we'll be on. We'll be on tomorrow. They said we should start breaking the Guinness record. Maybe we should jam <laughs> throughout. <laughs> All the way to maybe Sunday right. or Monday. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we can do that, can we? Yeah, yeah we can. We're so ready. We're so ready. Um, we have guest DJs also coming in. DJ Black is joining me this evening, and so we're on the radio from seven till nine. PM. Oh, there's a prelude. Yeah, tomorrow. tonight. Oh, so from now to nine. what time? Yeah, seven to nine. We're okay. doing a two-hour back-to-back set. Extend it to ten. Ten p.m. <laughs> you won't be late to kill yes, us. We're on. We're on. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're jamming tonight. Now there's something a lot of people are waiting for. That is the verses. Remember the verses, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's happening again. This time I'm doing something with DJ Black, and so. For example, Please I played don't songs. give it all out. Okay, thank you. We want to experience <laughs> But we discussed it a few days ago with eh. Jackson on the morning show. So what should so, yeah. we wear? What should we wear? Well, Kakani, Fubu, Adidas. No Togo jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, I have my cross colors, so I'm representing to the fullest. Yeah. Okay. And our yeah. through wig, baggy jeans, um, whatever. Back in the 90s, wigs were not okay. in vogue. Okay. But uh, baggy jeans... Timberlands, uh-huh. yeah, the Timbs. And our jelly shoes. Yeah, you know, okay. you know. We'll be there. So yeah, tomorrow. we can't wait. No VIP. We don't like VIP tickets. Oh, so the VIP tickets the are VIP, sold even out. Even if it's sold out, me, I like popular stand. <laughs> so one fifty tickets. That's where we are going to be. That's we are right. outside and yes. we like it. You want to sweat crowd, it down, eh? Crowded and packed. Yeah. That's when you dance and you sweat and right. then you know. Right. You never know. You meet your husband or wife out there. Cool. So you ought to come. Yeah, I'll be a lucky man tomorrow. <laughs> and the Dusty and DJ Black are taking over. That's yeah. how we wrap up news night uh, tonight. There's more when you log on to myjoinline.com. I'm MFR Pau and I'm out. See you tomorrow on the 90s jam.